I was happy that they made that call sooner rather than later. And uh, it was the right call. Uh, they made it a couple of days ago. And um, I think all the athletes felt a great sense of relief knowing that we didn't have to scramble around and try to figure out how to train over these next couple months and knowing that we could look forward to something in the future. That is the voice of Katie Ledecky. It's the same Katie Ledecky who has won five Olympic gold medals, 15 world championship gold medals, and is all everything at Stanford. And she had a chance to sit down via Zoom with my partner, Ted Robinson, on Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Hi, my name is Yogi Roth, co-host of this podcast, and we are so excited to bring this conversation to you. Ted has known Katie for quite some time, and he sat down via Zoom, had a great conversation with her where she talks about her thoughts about the Olympics being postponed, some setbacks in her career, what she's up to now at Stanford, even how she's giving back to her community. I love the conversation, and in these unique times that we are right now with COVID-19, we're trying to bring you unique conversations. So if you want to see them in person, just go to Ted Robinson's YouTube channel. The link will be in our show notes. And if you're listening to it like you have historically, we appreciate it here on this show as we'll continue to give you one conversation or more every week, some insights on our YouTube channels, and everything we can possibly give you around the Pac-12 conference and the world of sports and, of course, college football. So I'm getting out of the way. Enough of me. Let's listen to Ted and Katie. All right. Well, you can tell we have two people that have been around the Olympics a lot. One of them doesn't have any medals. So this is the equivalent of medals, Katie Ledecky. <laughs> These are remnants of every Olympic Games, although I gave Salt Lake City away a long time ago for some charity. I had no idea. Katie Ledecky has five Olympic medals. Where do you keep them, by the way? Uh, they're back home. <laughs> do you look at them at all? Uh, I haven't recently, wow. but take them out for various events here and there. Um, so, yeah. Well, this is a, going to be a combination. Obviously, we, we umbrella this as the Pac-12 adventure. Katie is a student at Stanford. We remind everybody of that uh, in the midst of this Olympic training. And, of course, that's all been thrown into disarray as the rest of the world has been. And I think, Katie, that's the emphasis. Everybody's been in the same boat. But just just talk for a minute about the initial emotions when you finally heard the what you thought was inevitable that the olympic games were going to be postponed yeah i I was happy that they made that call sooner rather than later and uh, it was the right call Uh, they made it a couple days ago and um, i think all the athletes felt a great sense of relief knowing that we didn't have to scramble around and try to figure out how to train over these next couple months and knowing that we could look forward to something in the future uh, next year to be able to train for now. And we kind of have a little bit of a better picture of what we're aiming for. We don't know the exact dates yet of the Olympics next year, but um, that'll start to come out and, you know, everything all will fall in line with, with all the different competitions leading into that. You know, every Olympic athlete I've had the chance to know, and I've gotten the chance to know you here more recently you're, you're incredibly programmed. That's why you are good at what you do. So when your program is thrown off and there is no, there's no playbook for you to go to, right. To reference anyone else that's gone through this, it has to be, you know, as relieved as you may be, it has to be jarring that you're programmed 
your future has been put off and now has to change dramatically. Yeah, I mean, we started seeing the effects of of this pretty quickly uh, once Stanford shut down completely. That pool closed, and then a bunch of the the pools in this area started to close up. So our training started to get thrown off, and we had to do a little more work. Ted uh, Ted here was was really great at helping helping our little Stanford crew out and finding some pools in the area that would be possibilities and uh, really came through for us. So can't thank you enough. And yeah, for, for about a week, we were just trying to do our best. That's what we were being told to do by the Olympic officials to just do our best because the games were still on at that point. So now we can take a step back and um, do our part in staying in as much as we can and uh, caring more about the health of ourselves and the people around us, our families, and, and all that takes, takes a little bit of that stress off our plate. And, and you put out an Instagram post yesterday, I think, or two days ago, that, that outlined that. It was the beautiful big picture statement, Katie. But what, what really struck me watching you and your teammates uh, up close there for a short period of time, and it hits close to home for me, having been involved for quite a while with a mental health agency, Kaminar, a great agency in San Mateo County, is that we're, we're fighting a physical health battle, obviously, but there's going to be mental health that's going to, it's probably already arrived. And just watching you up close, your teammates, and watching the uncertainty, and, and you know, you're in the pool still able to train, maybe not in the perfect way, but you were still able to train physically. But the, the, the strain, the angst you were going through here, um, it, to see that firsthand really opened my eyes. Yeah, we were dealing with the, the mental stress and the anxiety about not knowing where we were going to be swimming the next day or if we were going to be able to train the next day on top of the uncertainty about whether the Olympics would be held this summer or if they were going to be canceled altogether uh, or if they were going to be postponed. So we were a little bit in the dark for a couple days and we would try to swim and it was more of just a thing to get our, our heads off or our minds off of, of the stress of that and, and the uncertainty um, kind of therapeutic swimming to be able to not, not think about those things for a little bit. Uh, it was kind of weird to not have a specific meet in mind that we were preparing for, knowing that our meets in April and May were already canceled. So we didn't know if our next meet was going to be Olympic trials or if that was going to be canceled or if the Olympics were going to be canceled. And it's you know, we didn't know what was motivating us every day to, to go to the pool, but we knew that we had to, to do our best to try to keep training during that time. And, and the other thing I thought a lot about for you was, uh, and some people may not, who don't follow swimming as diligently between Olympics, may not remember that you had an illness yourself this past summer that impacted your ability to perform at the world championships. So now here comes one on a much larger scale. And, and I don't, I, I look at you and I go, I don't know how you stay so calm on the outside. It's an amazing <laughs> trait because I, ha- I was thinking that that had to hit home for you given what you went through last summer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we were in South Korea uh, for the world championships last year and I got a stomach bug and actually had to go to a hospital in, in South Korea. Now 
seeing these news reports about the testing being done in, in South Korea and how they're doing such a good job of, of getting so many tests uh, quickly and, and all these things. And um, yeah, it just being in a hospital in a, in a foreign country was a new experience for me. And I can't imagine what everyone's going through around the world. Uh, I mean, it's, it's truly touching every country around the world. And I have so much admiration for the health professionals that are on the, the front lines uh, taking care of, of everyone. And, um, you know, that's why for me, it's, it's tough because I didn't have the meet that I wanted to last year. And then this year is, is getting postponed to next year. Um, but at the same time, health has been really at the forefront of my mind over the last year. And to have this on a larger scale just drives it home even more and uh, really makes you appreciate both of yourself and your family. If I decide to next year take a quarter or two off, uh, I feel like I'm still getting some units um, towards my degree and, and staying on the timeline that I had initially set out for myself uh, to get my degree. So I have, I think about 40 to 50 units left. Uh, so I have three or four quarters left of school. Yeah. See that, and that's getting to know that about you has been so impressive is that you fall into a, a list of most impressive people who have gone to Stanford with athletic prowess. And I always remember Andrew Luck telling me this a few years back that, you know, he was a quarterback of all things. So we understand where quarterbacks are in our culture. And he said, I'd go into a classroom and I'd look around and there were 10 people sitting within 10 feet of me who were all doing things way more important and way more uh, complicated than I could ever do. And it was a wonderful grounding experience that he enjoyed. And, and I know we talked about this. He, he could have gone professionally year earlier, but he loved being at Stanford. And I listened to you talk and I heard some of the same things. Yeah, I, I love being at Stanford. I love training at Stanford. I love going to school at Stanford. Uh, it's it's just been such a great experience to get to know some of these professors and my classmates and my teammates who all have various interests and are working really, really hard at whatever it is they're, they're passionate about uh, in their field. And to be able to learn from the best of the best is such a unique experience while I'm able to continue to train with the best of the best and, and pursue my goals at the highest level. Yeah. Well, just throw, throw a dart for me, Katie. I never asked you this. How many people that you associate with daily at Stanford know that you swim? 50%, 75%. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, maybe 75, 70. Okay. I don't know. It's, it, it varies, I guess, from class to class that I'm in and, um, you know, if, if one person knows and it kind of spreads or, or something like that, but I'm not treated any differently. And I'm, I'm not talking about swimming on a, a daily basis with my classmates when I'm in class with them. Uh, that's for sure. And honestly, I, I enjoy it when people come up to me and introduce themselves to me because it feels like I'm meeting more people in the Stanford community and I enjoy meeting people and and listening to their stories and uh, what they're passionate about. And I try to, to share as much as I can or as much as they want to know. What was the, and, and look, I, I did this a million years ago. I encouraged my kids when they were going to college to do this, was to go away from home. And you went 
as far as you could. I mean, you went all the way across the country to go to college. And, and that's, you know, for, for someone who's 17, 18 years old, that's an important decision. It's a bold decision. So, I mean, obviously swimming was part of it, but it was Stanford, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a big move out here from Bethesda, Maryland. And, uh, it, you know, that was kind of the one con on the list of, of coming out here is that I was going to be pretty far away from my family, but my family was very supportive of me going to Stanford and they know how great of a school it is and how great of some team there is at Stanford. And they were fully supportive of, of my decision to go to Stanford. And they've been out to visit many, many times uh, to watch swim meets and just to hang out here. Uh, when they when they come out, they usually try to stay for as, as long as they can and and really soak up the sun and, and everything around Stanford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always thought the litmus test would be if for some reason you couldn't swim. Would you be at Stanford? I would hope so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's obviously a challenging school to get into. And I don't know how, you know, my education and my swimming have always been so intertwined that I don't know if I would be as good of a student if I didn't have swimming because of how disciplined I was through high school. So uh, it's, it's hard to know. I, I um, you know, definitely would have applied and, <laughs> and everything. So uh, it's, it's such a, such a great school and I've loved every minute of it. Do, do you, and there's another one I've, I think I've talked to Greg Meehan, who's your coach now and the Olympic team coach about this. Um, your decision to come to Stanford, but to swim at Stanford for two years, uh, struck me as someone who, who's come to love this sport as well. It was pretty important for college swimming that it worked. Did you, did you feel that way as you were going through it? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about kind of the bigger picture and, and what it meant uh, for college swimming as a whole, but for me personally, it wasn't even much of a consideration to turn pro after the Olympics. I had my had my mindset on coming out to Stanford and swimming for the team and being a part of that. And I, I really can't imagine my life without that and the friendships that I, I made through being on that swim team and the opportunities that I've had because of that. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm so glad looking back on it that I made that decision and Greg was incredible through the whole, the whole process of, you know, being recruited to Stanford and then coming to Stanford, being very open and, and being very encouraging of whatever decisions I was going to make about turning professional or, or whatnot. We just had those discussions when they came up and he, I, I took his advice uh, on, on numerous and we, we talked openly about about all those different things and felt like I had his his full support on all those decisions. Someone who uh, preceded you by just a few years at Stanford that I've come to know uh, in tennis, Mr. McEnroe, went to Stanford for one year and to this day loves it. And the, the, the point I was going to make was he loved being a part of a team sport, playing an in, in individual sport. But for that year at Stanford, he was part of a team. And you did it for two years. Being, so that's what I wanted to hear you talk about was being part of a team. You did wonderfully yourself. But the Stanford had been, what, two decades since they'd won the national championship and they won back-to-back years. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it, was, it was really cool to come out of 
Rio in 2016 and have that right away to be a part of that team and have that um, that group of, of swimmers to swim with on a day-to-day basis. And it gave me a goal right away after Rio to win a national championship with the Stanford team. And it, it helped me reset my goals very quickly uh, coming out of Rio and, and kind of take my mind off of myself for a couple months and focus more on team. Obviously, I have to to do my part and set my own individual goals to score as many points as I could for, for the team. But uh, it, it was a lot of fun to pursue that team goal both years and to, to come away with two national championships. I, I've said this a lot in other forums that what eight years now, the PAC 12 network has been on the air. And one of the two or three best events I ever called was a swim meet at Cal. Yeah. At Cal and you were part of it, obviously, but it was Olympians everywhere in the pool and also Olympians watching <laughs> that were longer competing for the two schools, but they were there watching. It was, it was like a hall of fame in one right. afternoon at that pool. It was, and I remember vividly because I didn't understand this about college swimming. You'd win the thousand and you jump up out of the water and I think 45 seconds and you jump back in and win the 200. So I was with Amy Van Dyke and another great champion on the telecast. I said, I had no idea they'd swim the 1200 in college swimming. <laughs> Yeah, not very people do that uh, double, but that was a challenge that Greg put me up to and uh, (laughs) kind of fun and and good work at that point in the season. And uh, yeah, you're right. Those those Stanford Council meets are always uh, quite a show and and so many big names. I mean, they've been the top two college swim teams on the women's side over the last couple of years and uh, been dominant. And so it's so fun to have Cal across the bay to compete against every year at dual meets and then at Pac 12s and NCAAs as well. All right, now just a couple of minutes here and then we're going to free you. But I want to, and this may gravitate into something a little more serious, but I, I think it's something you've done so unbelievably well. And I'll reference it in a minute. But, you know, really since that Phelps guy stopped swimming, you have been the mantle of the best swimmer in the world. And it is incredible thing to wear at your age. And it goes back to what I referenced earlier, how calm you are on your exterior, how so poised and serene you feel. But maybe just talk to some younger people that may listen to this to, to, to accept that challenge as you have and to wear that mantle and to wear it so well uh, and to continue to, to perform at an, at an incredible standard that you have. Just talk about what that's been like for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. And I think I, I don't really think of it as a mantle or, or something that I'm trying to carry on. But I think I recognize my role in the sport and my role within USA Swimming and the fact that we're all role models to younger swimmers when we're on the national team and on the Olympic team and to try to give back as much as I can to the sport, uh, whether that's by swimming really fast and trying to have performances that inspire young kids or getting out and, and talking to some swimmers. I actually just did a video call yesterday with um, my club team back home, one of their, their swim groups. Uh, they are doing video calls every day at their normal swim practice hour and, and their coach reached out to me and I, I joined in on that. And it was a lot of fun just to talk to them and answer their questions and uh, just kind of hear the, the different challenges and the different things that they're going through right now as well. Uh, obviously, this this P 
period in time is affecting everyone and athletes of all ages are having to put their sports on the the back burner. So uh, I know this is a time, especially that uh, we need to try to reach out to them and keep them upbeat and, and motivated. And I know that I'm, I'm doing the same for myself. So um, yeah. Who's reached out. And I'm not sure if I know who you're, if, was there a swimmer that inspired you? I mean, great swimmers that go back. And I'm interested the last week, especially with this Olympic news coming out, if we looked at your phone, you showed us your text list. Who would knock us out? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I've heard from a number of, of swimmers, um, especially, I mean, just a, a number of Olympians who just can't even imagine being in the position that <laughs> we're in right now. And I've become very good friends with uh, Chris von Salsa Olmsted, who was an Olympian in 1960 and went to Stanford and uh, didn't have the opportunity to compete for Stanford because they didn't have a swim team for, for women back then. But we've become really good friends uh, since 2016. And she's been out here to, to watch me swim at Stanford and uh, has just come to, to visit. She lives in, in Sacramento. So um, I've, I've heard from her a number of times. I've heard from Debbie Meyer, Summer, Summer Sanders, and um, you know, a long list of, of different people. And I've also been trying to reach out to some of my teammates, um, both on the national team and my Stanford teammates as well, who all had to, to head home pretty quickly. I didn't even, we didn't really even get to say goodbye. It, it happened so fast. Everyone was, was moving out and, and getting back home before, uh, before it was too late or before, um, before they got kicked out of the dorms. So, um, reaching out to them, trying to stay in touch, um, obviously disappointed, for them, uh, missing out on NCAAs this year, it's, it's tough, especially for the seniors. Um, but they all worked incredibly hard this year. And uh, I know they all have, have great futures ahead of them, whether it's in the pool or now the seniors finishing up school and heading off to different jobs. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to stay in touch with as many people as I can. Probably have sent more calls or sent more texts and made more phone calls and video calls uh, this week than, than ever before. We, uh, the generosity of community around, around Stanford was fabulous, as you referenced early, but I thought it was interesting. One of the uh, people who opened up their pool for you on kind of an emergency basis last week is a friend of mine named Jeff Morris, who's a Stanford grad. And I told you when we went to the house and you jumped in the pool, that 28 years ago, Summer Sanders lived in that house <laughs> while she was at Stanford training for Barcelona's Olympic Games. Right, yeah, Jeff was so so nice uh, letting me, me swim there in the afternoon um, using his pool. And I texted Summer right after that, and she was, she was thrilled and uh, told me to, to say hi to them and to, you know, she just shared how great, great a memory she had uh, living, living there and, and being with some other Stanford athletes there, uh, one summer. So it's fun. All right. Last one, I promise. Um, a side of Katie that, that I saw that a lot of people, uh, as a lot of young people, students, I think were very, um, were blessed to see, uh, an organization that's based on the Stanford campus called EPAT, East Palo Alto Tennis and Tutoring. It's an after school tutoring based program for a lot of kids who need that extra work. Uh, in this 
area around Stanford. Stanford students do a bulk of the tutoring. Katie spoke at the fundraiser last year, and I won't mention the other names because it's not about them, other than to say there's been a fairly impressive array of speakers at the annual benefit. Katie spoke last May, and by far and away, the most overwhelmingly positive response from the students and the tutors and the staff, the full-time staff that put this program together was to what you did because you, unlike most of us, targeted your words to them, to the younger folk in the crowd. And how, do you have any idea how you're able to do that? Because it, it was incredibly impressive. Yeah, I, I, uh, I know that when I was invited to, to speak at the event, I was told that there were going to be a, no, a number of students there and to, um, you know, then that I would be speaking to everyone at the fundraiser and then also the students as well and the teachers. And so uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I wanted to try to talk to, to all the different groups, uh, all different ages and wrote a little speech and um, I'm glad it, it came across well and, and hopefully inspired those kids to continue working hard and pursuing their passions and taking the lead in the different areas of, of their lives. Well, Katie, this has been uh, incredibly nice of you to do this. Um, and obviously a lot of people are interested right now, especially in this period of time about what great Olympic athletes are going through. It's wonderful to hear you're going to go back to school. Personally, I'm hoping that this extra year, which is going to give you a year to be stronger and healthier is going to think you may rethink that. I am. What do you think? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I have, I think I have enough events right now to keep me busy and hopefully qualify for all the events that I want to qualify for in, in Tokyo. And we don't even know when our Olympic trials are at this point, but I'm uh, pretty focused on the freestyle events at the moment. Don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to change my goals too much. Okay. I'll work on me and on that one. Uh, yeah. Five-time <laughs> Olympic champion, two-time NCAA champion, and Stanford student, Katie Ledecky. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.